All right, we're going to continue our worship with the reading of God's Word. And just so you guys don't uh, fall asleep or get too hot, let's all stand for the reading of God's Word. Today we are in Acts chapter 4, verses 1 to 12. I'm going to be reading from the ESV. And uh, I really hope that you are following along with the book of Acts and following our sermons and this uh, message called Unfinished, uh, the purpose of the church. God, uh, church on purpose. Here we go. Acts 4, verse 1. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Father, we thank you for Jesus, and we thank you for the power of the gospel. Father, we pray that as uh, Pastor Dell comes to preach, Lord, that you would uh, transform us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Everybody hot? Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm already sweating and I haven't even started preaching yet. So, well, it is good to be with you. Uh, my name's Dell, and I get to serve as one of the pastors here. I need a third hand here. Um, happy Independence Day. Yeah, wait, great, great excitement, guys. <laughs> if you went to a fireworks show based on that response, you'd be very disappointed. So, happy Independence Day. Yep. Happy Rebellion Day, right? That's what it is. <laughs> no, no joke. Any Brits here? It was always a great joke overseas with all the British folks. You know, we could always invite them over on the 4th of July and say, hey, let's have a barbecue. <laughs> so, they learned to find the humor in it. So, anyway. Uh, it's good to be with you, and I'm sure the first thing and probably what's pressing on your mind right now is how in the world do you get a t-shirt like the one I have on? You know, I went in my closet this morning, and uh, there was, I, I just don't have red things. And when you have a red beard, um, it just doesn't go well, does it? So anyway, so I saw this on my shelf, and I, I said, you know what? I'm going to make a shameless plug today that you can get a t-shirt just like this. And all you have to do is volunteer here at the church somewhere, and we'll make sure to hook you up. Come out on a serve Saturday, and we'll throw you a beautiful red T-shirt like this, and you too can look like this. Right? Yeah, I know, right? 
Yeah, thank you all five of you. That's great. So, but yeah, it's, it is a, a great thing to serve in the church and uh, Surf Saturdays are a wonderful experience. It, it is a life-giving experience. It's, it's amazing how many times I hear people talk about uh, the way that you come out and you serve together as a community. And, you know, yes, you're doing work, you're doing something together, you're giving of yourself, but how just so many people feel so rejuvenated after just to be in the community uh, of, of God here at Long Grove Community Church and serving uh, somebody else and serving and doing something. It's, it's really wonderful. So I do hope you'll, you'll jump in there or volunteer here on a Sunday as well. Again, these tents don't like just grow up out of the ground every Sunday. Uh, everything has to be set up and everything gets tore down. So we could really use your hands, some extra hands, and we'll find a spot for you. So uh, just see Holly after service, and she will definitely put you to work somewhere, which I know you would love to do. Just make sure you ask for your T-shirt first. All right. Well, if you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn to Acts chapter 4. I'm going to try to work with all the wind and everything or the breeze. It's not much, but it's enough to turn pages um, Acts chapter 4, and we are going to be continuing our series. Uh, we'll be in Acts probably for the rest of July and maybe into August a bit. And then what we'll do is we'll take a break for a while, and then maybe in the fall we'll pick up the series again. So if you're wondering kind of where we're headed or if you want to read ahead, uh, Acts is where we're at for, for the foreseeable future here for the, for the rest of this month. So great place to be. Uh, definitely deserves more than a once-through, so I'd, I'd encourage you to just jump in and, and just be blessed by it. Today's message, again, we're going to be in chapter 4, as Pastor Tony read today. Um, it, we'll be dealing with something, in, in the title of today's message, I called it The Answer. And, you know, we'll, we'll give you what the answer is soon enough as we work through this. But um, when I was in high school, I remember a time when I, was, I had gotten picked up from school by my mom. You know, d- definitely the cool points were all in my favor when your mom picks you up right in front of the school. Um, but anyway, it was me, but also my friend, we needed a ride home after school for something. And so we were leaving in the car and I was talking to my friend and I saw uh, this girl from school and she was driving uh, in front of us away. So I said, I said, Hey, uh, Marty was my friend's name. I said, Hey Marty, there's, there's Alexis. And he's like, Oh yeah. And we're driving a little bit. And my mom, you know, she kind of was proud about her being able to recognize vehicles and stuff. And she's like, that's not Alexis. That's, that's a Buick. And I mean, she drove this big red tank of a car, you know, like a lot of uh, dads back then, they would buy their daughters just these tanks, you know, just for protection, just huge. And, and so I was like, no, I said, that's, that's Alexis. And she's like, no, it's a Buick. And we went back and forth literally like five or six times. And finally I said, mom, no, the girl that's driving it, her name is Alexis, and the car she's driving is a Buick, and she thought that I was saying that the car was a Lexus, and so we had this huge miscommunication over this, this trivial thing, you know? And, and so what was interesting is that, you know, the, the idea behind it was really what were you focused on, right? I mean, I was obviously focused on the person inside driving the car, a Lexus, and my mom was vo- focused on the vehicle, if you will, which was a Buick. And so, you know, it was interesting how we were looking at the same thing, but we got two very different answers from it. And as we look at this account today of, of the healing of the, the lame man, we've been hitting on this for about two weeks, or well, two sermons uh, days, sermon Sundays, whatever. Um, and so it started, you know, if you remember, with the lame man being healed, we preached that message. And then we preached the message about when Peter and John went in with the lame man to the synagogue and 
uh, was able, Peter brought a message to the people. And so now we're picking up on the heels of that. And so as we look at this account once again of this, this healing of this lame man and the subsequent events, we see two kind of double-sided elements, if you will, to consider, um, you know, kind of like a, almost like two sides of a coin, but I have two coins I want to talk about. Does that make sense? And so we're going to talk about both of these. The first one is the fact that there were two responses to the same event. There were two responses. The, the, the event was this lame man that was healed. This, this lame man from birth, you know, probably 40-some years had been, you know, not able to walk, suddenly could walk again. And we see two different responses from two groups of people over the same event. And this is what we're going to dial in on today. And there's one other one, like another coin, if you will, but I'll get to that in a minute. I just want to kind of keep your attention here where it's at. And so, again, just kind of recapping one through four there, if you have your Bible still open. And it says, as they were speaking to the people, the priest And the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested him and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. God, I thank you for the, the word today. I thank you just that this message would go forth, that it's a message, Lord, that's in season that we need to hear, God, that through it you would change our hearts uh, and that it would spur us to change, Lord. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. So again, everything has stemmed from this one miracle, this one act of healing, and we, we kind of have touched on how we've gotten to the place we're at. And so this is on the tail end of, of Peter's message, and it's funny that the Sadducees show up, and it just says that they're greatly annoyed, <laughs> You know, it's like, I think this is probably like the snapshot of most teenagers, right? When a parent is trying to talk, you know, right here, you guys, yeah? Oh, wait, sorry, no, you can't. Your parents are right here. Just smile and nod. Yeah, but, you know, it's like when you're trying to talk to your kids, and you're trying to explain something, they're kind of sitting there like, okay, can you just, are you done talking? <laughs> it's like, no, and I, I, ride, I pride myself in the ability to give a good lecture. Um, it lasts at least 20 minutes on a good day if they're really paying attention, but I can go like 45 minutes at least and do an altar call at the end. So um, it's, it's good. And, but, but it's funny that they, they, these, these religious leaders come in and it says that they're greatly annoyed. And in, the, in this time, there were two main schools of thought, if you will. You, you hear these, these, these words or this, these groups of people, Pharisees, anybody heard of those, Pharisees? And then you hear this group called Sadducees, all right, and then there was a, a third group that was the Essens, but they're they're like a smaller group. But I want to focus on the Pharisees and Sadducees because that's what we hear so often in scripture when we're reading, and people don't always understand uh, what's going on with those groups. But the Pharisees, their name literally means the separated ones. Okay, the Sadducees, their name is comes from the word meaning righteous ones. Okay, so you have the separated ones, righteous ones. All right. The Pharisees were the largest and most influential sect with the people. So they were a large group. Most, most people, most Jews uh, kind of liked them, followed them, and they had a lot of weight, if you will, with the people. The Sadducees was an was aristocratic minority. Okay? It was all lineage. It was, you had to be born in, and it was this, this kind of uh, elect crew here uh, that, that rolled around. Uh, the Pharisees had little interest in politics. 
The Pharisees weren't trying to make friends. They were really trying to stay, you know, to the word and, and, and to, the, to the Old Testament and, and follow all those laws. They, they really believed that they were doing right and they, they, they did their best to follow those things where the Sadducees had a major concern with politics. They were really trying to make friends with the, the Roman government. They were trying to, you know, make all that uh, to get together and they were benefiting greatly from the Romans because of the good relationship they kept. Uh, the Pharisees believed in immortality, resurrection, spirits, and angels. And something you may not know is the Sadducees, they denied all these doctrines. They didn't believe in, in, in uh, immortality. They didn't believe in the angels. All they did was it was just the Torah, you know, the first five books of the Bible, and that was it. And that, that was all that they, they ran from. And so, again, it very different groups. The Pharisees regarded a rabbinic tradition highly, where the Sadducees, they rejected the rabbinic tradition as authoritative. So again, these were two religious groups, and two, um, they had two uh, very different kind of ideals and, and uh, ideologies that they ran from. But the main concern here, and again, here we see the Sadducees coming on the scene, but the main concern as they approached was the preservation of order, and it seemed really to avoid that they wanted to avoid at all costs any confrontation with Roman authorities because, again, they were benefiting because of their good relationship with the Roman government. It was a good thing, and they just wanted to keep the people, you know, from messing things up. And so they come on the scene very quickly, and they're there for business. Now, there's another uh, uh, word or, or, or group in the Bible you may have heard of. It's called the Sanhedrin. You heard of those guys, all right? The Sanhedrin, and it's this is all... I know this is like really fun to listen to when it's hot and muggy, but the Sanhedrin, it, it's good for us to understand who these groups are. And the Sanhedrin consisted of 71 men, all right, covering the highest levels of political, social, academic, religious uh, life within the Jewish state at this point in time, okay? These, this was a group, this was basically like the Supreme Court, all right? And, and again, it's, it's, it was the Supreme Court and the Senate of the nation of Israel, and say, why 70, 71 men? You know, it, was, it was, comes from the Old Testament. And when God told Moses to select 70, and then they would add, of course, he, he would be there to oversee it. So it was 71 men. And so this is how they built their Supreme Court. And so this is the court. This is the group of men. Again, the Sadducees brought them in. And now they sit in front of, or they're standing in front of the Sanhedrin. Imagine, I don't know if you ever stood in front of 71 people before doing something. I don't care if you're baking cookies or making a speech or anything, it's probably pretty intimidating, especially these are like law people, you know, and you just, they're in this half circle, probably stacked up, you know, and they're sitting there staring at you and you're on trial, not just with one judge, you're on trial basically in front of 71 people. And this is the scene, and this is why we need to pause for a moment and understand, this is the scene that Peter and John were standing in. It wasn't just a group of five men or something like that. 71 men sitting in front of them, ready to just tear into them. And, and it says in the word that, that they brought them in and they put them into custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Now remember, and this is again why it's good for us to understand, this is the same court that a few weeks earlier had tried another man, a man probably you're very familiar with, a man named Jesus. This is the same place that he had stood in front of these same men that they're standing in front of now. 
You see, it says that they put them into custody until the next day. But if you remember with Jesus, that's why they had this secret unofficial meeting at first, if you've read the account. And they kind of got their momentum. They kind of put him on a quick trial. And then they brought in the rest in the morning to convene. And they, they tried him and they pushed him through as guilty. But this is the same place. It's the same court. And so here we see the stage now that Peter and John are on. And so we have these two responses, the same scene that they started with, with this man being healed, this lame man, and the Sadducees coming in, they hear Luke's message, and there's two responses to the healing of this man in this sermon that followed. One group recognized their sin and turned from their wickedness by professing Jesus as Lord and Savior. One group that numbered around 5,000 men. 5,000 men came to Christ as a result of that that event and that message. Sadly, the other group, the religious leaders, hardened their hearts and chose to ignore the miracle and the message and instead took Peter and John into custody. And it's funny too that the guy that was healed, I don't know if he was taken into custody, but he's there during the hearing too. So he's like guilty by association, right? He should be out running a marathon and you know <laughs> sharing the good news that he got healed, but he can't, he's stuck in this court setting. And the thing that I want you to take away from is, before we move on here, is that first off, that man, man, quotes, you know, in quotations, man could not stop what God wanted to happen from happening. Even though they tried to arrest, they did arrest Peter and John, the message had gone forth and God's word went forth and there was an amazing response to God's word. And that is something that we can find hope and we can find rest in. They could not stop it. I don't know if you guys watch like these funny like YouTube videos. My, my kids love these things. I feel bad, you know, because you're watching people kind of just have their bad day. And we, the rest of the world, get to laugh with them, we'll just say. And I remember because I used to work in a, a warehouse a long time ago uh, when I was out of high school. And, you know, you deal with these big, huge pallets, right? And, you know, I remember watching this guy on one of these videos. He's got this huge pallet. You can see it's just like kind of swaying a little bit. And he comes to the back of the truck. He's on this big truck. And he's trying to get it on the little lift gate, you know, on the end. I know you probably all can see where this is going. And he tries to turn it. It's swaying, you know, and it's kind of tipping. He's like, oh, I can get this. I can get this. He's coming around. And then slowly you just watch. Just the pallet begins just to go like this. It's just turning, it's going over further and further. And he's trying to hold, this thing looks probably like thousands of pounds or something. He's trying to hold this thing and stop it. But there came a point where there was just no use, right? It just was going over and it was gonna run its course and do what it did. And it just fell over, went everywhere. And me and my kids laughed about it. So anyway, it was, it was cheap entertainment. The guy was okay. But you know, there, there was something there about once it got to that point, it was gonna go and do what it did. And much like the, it was the case here, where God's word comes to a point and it will do what it needs to do. And that's the truth not to miss here is the fact that God's word still went forward and accomplished what it was supposed to. In verse uh, five here, now comes this question as they're standing in front of this, this audience in, in this court setting. On the next day, their rulers, verse five, and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Anas, the high priest, Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? 
Now understand here is another character that you've seen before, Anas. Um, his, he's the high priest, or he was the high priest, and he's not actually officiating uh, in that role any longer. But what's interesting is Luke continues to call him the high priest. Why? Because he still is the guy kind of behind the scenes pulling the strings. All right? Uh, the guy Caiaphas, this man, is, is his son-in-law. And uh, again, Ananias, he, Anna, sorry, he also was a guy who had five of his sons and one grandson and his son-in-law I just mentioned. They all reached this, this rank of high priests. So it was this family kind of lineage thing. And so the dad, in, in most cases with his sons, was sitting there kind of directing things from the back. And so it's, it's funny that, that Luke refers to him as the high priest, even though he wasn't a, in that official capacity at the time. But they ask this question and they say, by what power and by what name do you do this? Now, what's staggering here is that their main focus here is not on the fact that there's a guy standing in their presence that was not able to stand not long ago. <laughs> totally, there's not a word or a mention about the fact that there was a miracle done and this man is now standing and walking and leaping and running. They're missing the beauty of the miracle that stands in front of them. And it seems that there are probably two other options that their aim is here or either one of them or both of them. First is that they were concerned that there could be an uprising which would impede on their comfortable way of life. Again, as I said, these were the ones that were in relationship with the Romans. They enjoyed that comfort and the perks of that. And so they didn't want to mess that up. And so they're probably trying to come in and squash this quickly. And the other option is, is that they had just rid themselves of this man named Jesus, or so they thought. And now here are these two men who are still promoting the name of Jesus, still promoting this man who they had crucified only a few weeks prior. So now we come to this second two-sided coin. And as we prepare to go into verse eight here, what we're gonna look at is that, that there are two forms of salvation that we're gonna look at. Only one person can supply both. And I'm, I'm gonna unpack this for you in just a second. In verse eight, it says, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, Notice that phrase, once again, we see it a lot here, filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter's not doing this in his own power, in his own authority, or in his own ability. He is filled with the Holy Spirit. And he says to them, he says, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? And here he comes, good old Peter. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and here's, again, our favorite phrase, whom you, <laughs> you, 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 71, all of you, all of you, whom all of you crucified, right? And then whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, again, a lot in this section, Luke is, he is speaking with tremendous boldness in the very face of the same group that crucified Jesus. I'm sure in Luke, Luke's mind, uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Peter's mind, 
Um, in, in Peter's mind, as he's speaking here, I'm sure in Peter's mind that he is realizing very clearly that this is the group that crucified Jesus. They probably could just as easily crucify me and John. And so he's speaking with tremendous boldness. And he probably recalls, again, Luke, the writer from, from uh, when he wrote his gospel, Luke 12, verses 11 and 12, and this is Jesus' words. He says, and, and when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. And this is why it's so critical that we see that Peter here is filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is using him and speaking through him in a way that is bold. Again, maybe it's by chance, I don't know, it's, but it's very interesting to me that this is the third time that Peter has stood up with this same message over a short period of time about you, them, all of you in front of us crucified Jesus. And you need to repent. You need to ask Jesus to become Lord and Savior of your life. This is the third time, and I just think it's intriguing that he denied Christ three times, and now three times he brings this boldness, this bold message of repentance to the people. Here we have a very different Peter who had stood just outside this place when Jesus was being tried and denied his Jesus, his Savior, three times, now proclaiming him boldly to the multitudes three times. I think it's beautiful. And so you see this contrast here between whom you crucified and versus whom God raised. This Jesus, the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone, is an is a, is a echo from Psalm 118. In Psalms, it talks about this. And so he's speaking like this, and it is definitely turning the gears. The, the, the men that are in that room would know that scripture very, very well. And finally, you come to this verse 12, and this is, this is the, the, the money scripture, if you will. If you take nothing else from today, this is it. And I'm gonna wind this down quickly. I know it's hot, I know it's humid, and I wanna get you guys on your way here, but don't miss this. Verse 12, and there is salvation in no one else. Now, I don't think you need to open the original Greek on that for that translation of what that's trying to say. There is salvation in no one else. That is what is being conveyed. That is what is being said. And in the, the, the climate that we live in today, there can be many distractions. There can be many cases made. And again, we always have to come back to the place that there is salvation in no one else. Why? Because there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And notice what Peter did there. He brought it from you and he brings it to we. He's recognizing the fact that he needs a savior as much as the men that he's speaking to. The same crowd that he's speaking to, they need a savior, but so does he. And whenever we speak to somebody, we have to always make it about we. <laughs> In fact, you should probably lead with the fact that I need a savior. Let us never come across as having arrived or being better than someone else, but understanding that we're speaking from a place of understanding in that we know what it is to be in need. 
to be to to need to be saved, and that I think is what Peter really brought to the forefront here. From the New American Commentary, John Polhill he writes this about this this message here. He says the crux of the sermon. Uh, what, what Peter's saying is a play on the Greek word sozo, which means both physical salvation in the sense of healing, which we saw with the man, right? The layman being healed. That was a salvation, right? He was saved from his position where he could not save himself. He was not able to walk and then he could. He was lifted up from where he was to where God wanted him to be. And so here he is unpacking this and he's saying this word sozo, which means both physical salvation but also the, the spiritual, eschological, which is the end of things, sense of salvation, all right? The physical salvation of the lame man through the name of Jesus is thus a pointer to the far greater salvation that comes to all who call upon his name in faith. And so as we see this picture, this image of this man being raised from, from not being able to walk, and I want what I want us to catch here too, church, is that we can get so caught up in the things that God is doing for us. We can go get so caught up in the gifts. Maybe, maybe somebody is healed. Maybe you know, God meets a prayer request that, that you have. And those things are great and they're good. But let us never lose sight of the gift giver, of the one who makes it all possible because all those things should point us back to Jesus Christ and back to the fact that we are called to repentance and that Jesus alone can save Jesus alone is the one who saves. And so we see these two forms of salvation here, physical and spiritual. Both were accepted by faith. That's what Peter said. He says, rise and walk because of the man's faith. And when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior and we, we, we accept the salvation that he offers to eternity and to be saved from our condition, it is also accepted by faith alone. But the truth is, one is far greater than the other. The physical healing of the lame man primarily was to validate the apostles and to represent salvation from our fallen state of being into our made new state of being. And so as we sit out here today, and as we look at so many people around us that that they're being caught up and swept away in, in, in the, the flow of where culture is headed. But the, the truth of the matter is that this is nothing new. <laughs> this is nothing new. I mean, you want to talk about hostile. I mean, again, they, they were crucifying Christians at this time. All of, except for one of the disciples ended up being martyred for their faith. Why? Because they stood up for who Jesus is and they stood up for the gospel message, but they knew that it still needed to go forward and it still needed to be said. So as we prepare to, to close this morning, I wanna ask you a question or a few questions. First, what is it that you're looking for today? Maybe you're watching online, maybe you're sitting here you know, maybe you're thinking about where you're going to be here in, in a little while, maybe a barbecue or with family or friends or whatever. But what is it that you're looking for today? Are you looking for that just immediate comfort that, that maybe God can bring through a, a healing or through providing for maybe a, a financial situation or for this situation? 
And is that really going to bring you the joy and the happiness that can only be found in a relationship with Jesus Christ? You know what the world's looking for? <laughs> it's Jesus. They're looking for a hope. One of the biggest things that plague our world right now is hopelessness. Is hopelessness. I talk to people, and I hope you try to talk to people that are outside of this church and talk to people that aren't saved. And going through all these times in these past, this past year or so, it's just this feeling of being hopeless. And you know what? <laughs> they're right. They, they're right in the sense of what's happening in the world. That's what the world is, is supposed to do. It's, it's, it's dying. It's decaying. As sin entered the world through Adam and Eve, again, it brought death and destruction. And the only way that we can find hope in life and see things and see through the mess is through Jesus. So what is it you're looking for today? Are you looking for the true answer? Are you looking for a short-term answer? Are you looking for the one who is the answer? Again, same situation and two very outcomes. That crowd that was there, two very different responses, right? Two very different responses. And so my question today is what will your response be today? Would you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, today. God, I thank you, Father, for your word. Lord, I thank you as we've just heard from your scripture today. and we, We've seen, Lord God, just the, the account, Lord, as Peter and John stood before this group of, of men who had just not that much prior tried Jesus and deemed him, Lord, to be crucified. Lord, would you give us the boldness? I mean, God, I can't even imagine what it must have been like to stand in that place. And yet, God, we have just such a hard time even talking to the person sitting next to us on a bus or on a plane or, or at the grocery store checking us out as we, 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 we pay them. God, I, just, I pray, Lord, just that you would give us boldness, Lord, just to share the good news, Lord. Most of us will never have to stand on trial for our faith. But God, may we still feel that same sense of urgency, that same sense of, of having to stand, Lord God, in the face of all that comes at us. And if you're here today and you're, you're here uh, within the sound of my voice, either here in person or online, and you do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I pray that you would make today that day. Maybe you've been in, in church services your whole life. Maybe you've sat there and you've never responded. But my prayer for you today is that you do not end up like these Sadducees were, oblivious to the miracle that was in front of them and oblivious to the gift of eternal life that was being offered to them. Let it not pass you by today. And if that's you, simply pray and ask Jesus to come into your life. Repent of your sins. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. Just like that man that was lame sitting on the side of the road that could not stand on his own, that he did not have the ability or the power to save himself 
that is the situation and that is the scene of my life and I need a savior. And you repent of your sin and acknowledge Jesus for dying on the cross to pay for your sins and that he rose on the third day and that he sits at the right hand of God the Father today. And if that's you, I would just encourage you again to say that prayer and know that God has heard your prayer that you've been accepted into the family of God and into the gift of eternal life. And if you pray that prayer today, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Pastor Tony or staff member or an elder. We would love to talk to you and help you on your journey. Lord God, I just thank you for each and every person here. I thank you, Lord, just for the message from today. And God, again, I thank you, Lord, just for your word. God, that we can, we can read and we can see the accounts and we can see the goodness and just, Lord, your hand of faithfulness throughout, Lord, the years, the centuries, Lord, as, you've, uh, you, as you walk this earth. And God, as you left an example, Lord, for all of us to follow, to emulate. And God, I thank you. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are still active, that you are alive. And God, that you are living in each and every one of us who have professed you as Lord. So God, thank you for my brothers and sisters today. I thank you for this time. In the mighty name of Jesus, we all said, amen. Amen. Would you stand?